welcome everyone to the Spirit of the Word podcast. Messages from the 103rd Street Church of God in sunny Jacksonville, Florida. First Peter chapter 1 verse number 18. I'm going to deal tonight a deeper understanding. A deeper understanding of the blood of Jesus. You mean you're going to go deeper than anything I know? Maybe not some of you. But I know that some of us need to be refreshed on our understanding of the blood of Jesus tonight. It is precious. There is power in the precious blood of the Lamb. 1 Peter 1 and 18. If you're there, say amen. Or if you can see it on the screen. I didn't give it to them tonight. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead, Gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart, fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Verse number 19 but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. God, don't help me, not only me, but not a man on this earth to do justice to preaching on the blood without the anointing, without the leadership direction of God. But also there needs to be a corporate melting together, not of minds in a think tank, but melting into one cause, and that's to lift up Jesus in this place. To have a worshipful heart to receive the seed on good ground. Amen. So let's pray and ask God to help us that there be no distraction that will pull us away. But that God will also bless me to put it out there where it needs to be put out there tonight. Amen. Father, tonight I don't come to a camp meeting, excited, shouting message, I don't think. But I believe you've spoken to my heart. And I believe and know that you knew who would be here tonight. I ask you to let not one word fall upon deaf ears, but let not one word originate from my mind or heart, but from you. I pray that the word of my mouth and and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer, but not only acceptable, but that it would originate through you that I might yield to the Spirit. Give me hearing, give me understanding and discernment tonight. Let the gift of the Spirit that needs to be in operation be in operation tonight through me or whomever you shall use tonight, we pray. But, Lord, most of all, help us to not leave until we know that you've been glorified, that your church has been edified to the extent you'd want it to be. I ask you to bless your people tonight as you touch me, Lord, in this study chamber. The hours I've spent, oh, Lord, Jesus, in front of that Bible and laptop, I ask you, Father, 
Let the blood of Jesus mean more to us when we leave here tonight than it ever has. I ask, I ask you that for every soul that's here. I pray you bless the children, Father, as their attention span is shorter and they will do things that are more childlike. But the gospel that they deal with tonight is just as important as the gospel that will be preached here. I ask you to anoint sin revival. Fill our kids out there with the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Thanks for such a lengthy period of time on this hot afternoon. Amen. Let Pastor, I'm not coming as an evangelist. I'm a, I, I'm a camp meeting speaker, revival speaker, but here. I'm a pastor that just really prays, seeks the Lord. I want to I wanna preach to you what only a pastor would, maybe could preach sometimes, that a stranger can't preach or in such a manner, but, but uh, sometimes as a stranger, as if I didn't know you. But it doesn't matter. This gospel tonight, if God will help us tonight, I believe he's gonna, we're going to know and appreciate the blood of Christ a little more. Amen. I want to study on the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb of God for just a little while. Uh, tonight, a deeper understanding of the, of the blood of Jesus. I want to begin tonight with sharing some scriptures showing us the value of the precious blood of Jesus and dealing with our sins, justifying us in the sight of God the Father. I get real carried away, pecking out notes on that, on that laptop, really carried away. It would be a full five pages. I, Brother Bentley followed me in that hot office where the air conditioner's not working tonight to, to, to plug my printer up and put it out there seven pages tonight. Uh, I don't think I'll get to all. If I do, it's because I just rushed through some things. But in Romans 3 and 23, the Bible said, Paul told the church of Rome, the Roman church, he said, for, I have, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's everybody. You're born into Adam. You're born into sin. Romans 5, 8 through 9. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Through him, thank God Almighty. Back in Romans three twenty four through twenty six, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God had set forth to be a propitiation, that is an atoning victim, like the Passover lamb, through faith in his blood to uh, uh, his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare. I say at this time his righteousness, he might be just and justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Hallelujah to God. Remember that when sin came into this world, it found expression in an act of disobedience. Adam and Eve biting in the fruit from that forbidden tree that produced, uh, 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 because uh, uh, their disobedience produced a body for Satan to trip up and to deceive, and it, sin found an expression in that garden on planet earth the first time. Can you say amen that we know of? Amen. But the Bible said, Romans 5.19, For as by one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners, so by the, dis for by the obedience of one, Jesus, shall many be made righteous. To say thank God, somebody. Now when this occurs, the thing that immediately follows when sin comes into man... When sin happens in a vessel, whether it be, be a, a, a sinner that's never known God, uh, if, if, if the guilt may not be there if they've seared that conscience before the Holy Ghost deals with them. But from the time the Holy Ghost deals with a sinner, all the way to people that are even saved, when they do sin, when they do mess up, when this occurs, sin happens in that vessel, the thing that immediately follows is going to be guilt. Sin enters as disobedience to create, first of all, a separation between 
between God and man, whereby man is put away from God. I'm going to read some things, but I've typed it out tonight. God can no longer have fellowship with him. He's too holy to fellowship with any vessel that's got. He can fellowship with the dog, but he can't a human uh, uh, with, without, with sin in his life. There can be no fellowship between a holy God and the unholy and profane that is latched on to, to humans. For there is now something that hinders a thing called sin. That's why that veil in the temple, the tabernacle, they say that veil blocks that the ark of the covenant, the presence of God, the Shekinah, the smoke that covers the glory, the Kabbalah, the way to your presence of God, had to be in the veil. Nobody goes back there but one man once a year on the Day of Atonement. And that veil represents, may have been beautiful, may have been thick, as long as from that corner to that corner, but I'm telling you, it represented sin. Amen. Bible said in Isaiah 59 and 2, hear me, if anybody wants these notes, we'll print them out and give them to you. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. You see, God's not a petty little uh, 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 child that's just throws these hissy fits. He's he's not going, what do you call pouting when you sin. It's not that he's pouting. He's not sticking his lip out 40 yards. Amen. When humans do that, it's a sense of pride. It's a form of pride. It is self. Look at me. I want to be pitied or I'm mad in this way. I am going to show you by work of the flesh. Not God. God said that this Bible teaches he's too holy to fellowship with an unholy people. The people that are fallen Adam nature. We see it first. Adam bit the fruit. God walked in the garden. He knew where Adam was. God asked questions all over that Bible, but he never asked a question. Didn't already know the answer to. God ever stopped you and asked you? Did he ever say to you, what of the night? Or what are you going to do with what I gave you? Did God ever put in your spirit a question? When he does, he already knows the answer. But he asks you because he requires you to speak something to him. Amen. So he walked in the garden in the cool of the day. He said, Adam, where art thou? Adam's hiding behind a tree, covered himself up in fig leaves, and finally came out from behind the net tree. He said, I hid because I knew I was naked. And then he said to him, ask another question. He knew the do the devil down there. He said, who told you you're naked? Eve speaking up said, or said, he spoke up and said, Eve gave me the fruit. We ate it. Amen. But the moment he ate that fruit, God says, there's no way that I can fellowship with you anymore. I made this garden perfect. This garden represents my spirit. You are out of here. There's an angel on the east side. On the side that you leave out of that gate, going to be an angel with a flaming sword that says your kind can never come back in here. And until the day on Mount Calvary and blood fell down, on, uh, uh, didn't fall, the blood was poured out and not spilled, but was given. A man was shed. We use the word shed because that's not an accident. It's, it, it's, it's something he did on purpose, something he did. The Romans spilled it, but he shed it. Say amen to me. But when that blood was shed, upon the repentance, all of a sudden there is a bridge that bridges from that outside fallen world back to what that Garden of Eden is. Amen. The presence of God that's in heaven now. Can you say praise God for the blood of Jesus? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, until that day. Well, you said, what about Israel? What about them coming? I'm telling you, that full presence of God, only one man saw that, and it's only once a year. In fact, he didn't really see it because it's too dark, and he grabbed the ashes from the altar of incense. They're not just campfire ashes. It's stink, not a garbage pail, but very fragrant ashes, very ground-up cool ashes. He grabbed, put in a censer, walked around once a year behind that veil, but he had to cast the... the um, Ashes in the air so thick that he could not see, because no man can see God and live. 
But he went back there and made such a cloud of smell, good smelling incense, had to feel his way to offer blood on the Day of Atonement. On the Day of Atonement, Leviticus 16, we find that the animal was killed out in the court in front of everybody. But he, but, but, the blood had to be sprinkled by one man who really couldn't even see what he was doing. We want to find out tonight that there are three, there are three main reasons or the blood works towards it, what the blood has to do. What the blood has to do Godward, what the blood has to do manward, and even Satanward tonight. Amen. What it has to do, the properties of that blood, what it has to do with God, what it has to do with man, and what it has to do with Satan. But I'm telling you, we need to understand that this blood of Jesus is a precious thing. It is the only way to have access back to the Father. Amen. Only one man could come in there, couldn't see once a year by the blood of animals because it was just a coating. It was a covering. Had to do it every year. But thank God Almighty, the Son of God offered His blood one time as a propitiation. I told you that word you find in the Bible. is It's a, an atoning victim. It's an atoning victim. Amen. You remember John the Baptist down in the river of Jordan baptized like we're going to do at a lot nicer, cleaner water. I'll assure it. Be warm too. Sunday night, going to baptize at least one. He's baptized. Stop. Saw Christ, his cousin, or earthly cousin, but his heavenly Lord coming down to be baptized. Stop the whole thing. Say, folks, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He made himself the supreme sacrifice, the supreme atoning victim. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. But he come down there. He's, he's the top of whatever gave blood in that New Testament or the Old Testament, it was a shadow of what Christ would do on Calvary for your sin, for sickness, for atonement, for peace offering. Amen. What do you say? Any reason you need to approach God the Father, you cannot do it except through the blood of Jesus. When I just start speaking in tongues, I start praying in the Spirit, Mr. That Holy Ghost, don't carry no prayer around the blood of Jesus to, to God. He brings nothing from this world, from the most sanctified person you know, the Holy one that lives the holiest you know of. That Holy Ghost takes nothing to the Father from man except it's washed, sanctified, and goes through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. My Lord, I feel God. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. How about yourselves tonight? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, that, that sin bearer gives rise to a great sense of guilt and a sense of estrangement from God. Well, it ought to. That's the mercy of God. I tell you, a man's in trouble can sin it. Don't bother him no more. I said a person's sin used to bother them. Keep doing it more and more and more. This Bible teaches two tragic things. One thing, their conscience can be seared. It can override the Spirit of God pulling so long that God begins to say, no more. There's a time Paul wanted to go to Asia. He, the Spirit of God spoke to him and said, leave Asia alone. Don't go there. Amen. Thank God later on, many, many years later, people like Duncan Campbell take the gospel to China. Hallelujah. But at that time, God wasn't ready to visit that far east. Amen. It would take centuries and centuries later for the likes of poor gospel preachers to take that. But I'm just telling you that if we can override sin over and over again, amen, hide and just keep putting it aside, there'll be a day that God won't bother you. And if it don't, there's no guilty conscience, no conviction anymore, the devil slips in and said, God no longer worries about that. That's not wrong anymore. That never was sin. You'll be open to be forgiven. You'll be turned over to a reprobate mind. Your conscience will be seared and you hope there's a there's a saved grandma. You hope there's a saved church. You hope there's a saved mama that'll come to prayer meeting, fast and pray that God would stir up your conscience again. That 
God would bring back sensitivity that you lost by playing with sin. And I'm telling you, folks, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Why? He sent His Son to die that you might live. And we must follow the way of Calvary. Amen? Yes, sir. That sin has to be dealt with. Why? Sin separates us. David said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, one of them quoted this week, couldn't tell you which one, the Lord will not hear me. I want my prayers answered. I don't want to waste time praying. I don't want to speak into the air and not knowing whether or not God hears me. I don't pressure Him to let me feel something. I don't pressure Him to give me chill bumps. I don't pressure Him to make me feel like shouting. But I want to know that I'm doing my part to get the prayer through. And if I'll humble my, if I've sinned, I have an advocate with the Father. Ask Him to forgive me. Ask Him to wash me. Why you do that? Jesus said in His prayer, pray like this, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or trespasses as we forgive our debtors. I don't want to hold nothing against anybody. I don't want God to hold nothing against me. I want to ask God to forgive me if I've sinned. You can't get holy enough for Him to hear you. It takes the blood. You'll only get to God whether you're talking, whether you're receiving through the blood of Jesus. Forgive me for getting excited. I'm not apologizing. I'm just saying, just, if it bothers you, please forgive me. Yes, sir. Sin has to be first dealt with. Amen. We're going to have to show man the value. We've got to show, God's got to show us in this Bible the value for us. Of that precious blood. Finally, the attack of the enemy has to be met, and and his accusations got to be answered, and it's all answered, uh, to Godward to manward and toward Satan. All of it can be answered. Jesus, I can tell you, Barak can't answer the devil. He says yes, sir, to him about every day. I can feel it, but I can tell you this much: he can't answer a sin problem. That devil's our accuser. This Bible teaches all over it. He has no answer. And guess what? You ain't got but one answer. The blood of Jesus. I got ahead of myself. So, amen, through the Scripture, how the blood of Christ is shown operating these three ways, Godward, manward, and Satanward. Now, the blood is primarily for God. I've been reading a little bit of Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee is the greatest, one of the greatest men of God China ever saw. And his book taught me what, a, what man was, spirit, soul, and body. By drawing those circles that I drew you years ago, got it from one of his little thin books. I learned much from him. Some of his stuff is too radical for today. Religious tears can't get through two chapters of that book, you hear me, on the normal Christian life. But it's teaching me some things. I want to tell you some of it tonight that, that I've known, but he brought home to me again. That blood is primarily, first and foremost, for God. What do you mean? Did God send? No, sir. It is shed and is put out there to be seen of God. God wants to see it. The most important thing about the blood is not just to wash your sins away. It's the most important to get you out of hell. But in the cosmos, in the universe, the most important thing is that God sees that blood. Hallelujah. Amen. It's for atonement. has to do first with our standing before God. We need forgiveness for the sin we committed, lest we come under judgment. And they are forgiven. Thank God Almighty. Not because He overlooks what we've done, but because He sees the blood and a true heart of repentance. And He hears us. Uh, 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 and he, 
ask for his forgiveness. I'm glad I thought of getting her to sing that. Sorry to spring it on you so quick, but his blood was not just blood of another spotless lamb, but his blood is precious blood, for it washed the sins of man. Can you say praise God? I'm telling you that when he, or when he seized me, he seized the blood of the, that's what I'm trying to tell you. That's when I sang. But the, the, why had her sing that? Because when he looks down upon me, he's hearing the devil screaming at him, how rotten you are, what you did, how little or none you prayed, how sorry you are, how he ought to just throw you to hell. But he shoves him aside and he listens to you pray anyhow. Why? Because you're so good? Because you're so righteous? No, sir. Because the blood is applied. And when I open my mouth of faith, confess my faults to him, he is faithful and just to forgive my sin, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, then I can cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And through the blood, he'll hear me pray. You hear me what I'm saying? That blood primarily for God to see. Back to the Day of Atonement. Notice that the animal was killed in the court before the whole congregation. They're trembling. Why are they trembling? They need a whole year of God staying in that tabernacle. They need a whole year of God letting that rain fall. They, don't, they know what idolatry. When they're doing right to get the sacrifice right, they look back on time when we got it wrong. God sent famine. We lost everything. God sent enemies. They know when that atonement's made, it's got to be right that's not right. God will leave Israel. You hear me? You will have a chance without the blood of Jesus. You can bring somebody in here, get them a haircut, get them a bath, make them look good, teach them who to watch to shout, who shout, what they do, you do. You can teach somebody to jerk around. You can teach them a tongue. It sounds like Holy Ghost. But if he's not born again, he's lost, and God cannot fellowship and will not fellowship with him. God doesn't fellowship with people because they're better than somebody, because they act so holy, because they're so wonderful. He only fellowships with Jesus, and everybody his blood has cleansed and been applied to their soul and spirit. Somebody help me now. I'm telling you, God, we're blessed through the blood. You can't get good enough. I understand what it is to not pray like you ought to. It's harder to pray, ain't it? I understand when you mess up and sin, guilt comes in. That is a wonderful thing. Why? Because if it don't bother us, he's done left us. There's no hope. If the guilt's there, it ought to stir us up. We call it conviction. Why? It's not just condemnation to put you in hell, but conviction shows you exactly what you are, but says there's hope and forgiveness if you just ask him and tell him you're sorry. Amen? I feel the good Holy Ghost. Oh, the blood. We ought to stop and sing it again, but there's no time. When he sees me, he sees the blood of the Lamb. So, they, back to Leviticus 6, back to Atonement. Keep getting off of it. They slayed that animal out there before everybody. But they caught that blood. What are they going to do with that? Nobody sees that but a priest, and he don't really see it. It's too dark, and there's an incense of smoke of that incense. He sprinkles that seven times for the sins of Israel. Do you hear me? He don't even really see it. They keep him up all night long the night before. They don't let him rest. Why? Because he might dream something unholy in his dreams. He's scared to go. He knows if he brings something unholy in there about him, unholy thoughts. They tie a rope to his leg. There's bells on the bottom of his uh, of his garment that he puts on one time a year. And they ring, they ring as long as he moves. When he stops ringing, they know he fell dead before the presence of God. There was some sin that God will not allow in his presence. You hear me when I'm telling you. What was it? Don't know. All I know is they kept him awake all night to keep him from dreaming bad, wrong, sinful thoughts. 
They kept, they, they, he was just so, he'd read scripture, they'd read it to him. I'm telling you, he read that Torah. He washed himself. He did everything. He sprinkled those garments like he was supposed to. But when it's time to offer for the people on that mercy seat, just sprinkle that blood seven times. Then he's going to sprinkle the oil. Thank God, everything he washes, he intends on baptizing in the Holy Ghost. And then he puts a salt to put the flavor on it. That's the attributes and the holiness of Christ. Somebody help me preach. I wish I had time to get into that. I'm just telling you, when, he, when the lamb was slain out there in front of everybody, you hear me? I said, Calvary, Jesus died. There's a multitude screaming, kill they all got to watch. They beat him. There was a crowd there. They beat him. They, they, they followed him out. made him carry his cross. There's a crowd in front of him, behind him, on both sides. There's a crowd out there, and he kept the crowd till he said, it's finished. He kept the crowd till he bowed his head, gave up the ghost. But when he took the blood, he stopped and he talked to Mary. Then he went up to take his ladder, and nobody's there but Jesus Christ himself. Amen. The elders were there. The four beasts were there. Angels were there, but there was no sinful man standing in the holy of holies of heaven. You hear me? That's why the priest had to go in there by himself because he represented Christ. Because someday, uh, uh, years ahead, that Galilean would go to the cross and they'd let him slay him just like that animal in the court of that, uh, in the court of that temple. Out just right outside, right there in front of everybody. But when it comes time to take blood, that throne room of grace is too holy for anybody to walk in there without the blood of Jesus. I'm telling you, that's a private thing. That's why the priest by himself, he can't even see it. It's too dark, and he's got that incense of ashes. He can't even see it. He's got to feel his way. Felt that ark, backed up, sprinkled the blood, sprinkled the blood. Reached around, got the oil put in the palm of his hand. Anointed. He done had the ear anointed, the right big toe, right thumb. Now he sprinkles it seven times. Amen. I believe that means if seven, seven of us get saved, all seven ought to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe I done said that another way. I'll move on. Yes, sir. Another time. The blood was primarily first and foremost for God, for him to see. Now, I understand it's for people to come back to God, but it's God that desires to have man come back to him before man even regarded God. Remember the Old Testament scripture? Then men begin to call upon the name of call upon God. Wasn't they hundreds and hundreds of years before you heard about anybody doing that in the Bible? So way before man decided he was a sinner, before he's ever convicted, the moment Adam bit into that fruit, God already desired, looked down ahead, the Bible said that Jesus worthy to be slain from before the foundation of the world. It would be all right for us to get drunk in the Holy Ghost like last Sunday or Sunday night before last. It may happen. Is this good for you? Is this getting just a good meat for you? Some of you already know, it's, just, it's good to hear it again after all these years, isn't it? If it's anointed, it's good to hear it. Won't bore you. Let, let me stay on the part where it's Godward, because I ain't going to finish this all tonight. Let's just stay on this for now. Even further back to the Day of Atonement, got to go back to Exodus. Remember that Passover? Told you John Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God which take away the sin of the world. He's going back to that night that, that Israel would be slaves, their last day. That would be that night we out of here, boys. God, Moses come back, told him, take a lamb. Somebody said something about it a little while. I'm not going to preach too long because it's a little bit of that on one of them CDs. don't remember which one. Just get all of them. But kill that lamb. Everybody ate that lamb on the inside of that house. None to be left over. Two small families, kill one, share it, but eat it all up. Everybody partook of that animal. Everybody saw it die. 
But understand, the blood went outside. They would have shut themselves in, and nobody saw the blood except that angel, except God when he came by. And he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Somebody said, pass me not, O gentle Savior. He's, that's while on others thou art calling, pass me not. But when he said, just death angel, please pass me by. Yeah. They in the ship one night, he come walking on the water, and he would have passed them by. They thought he's a ghost, started crying out, they were afraid. He said, fear not, it is I that he said, oh Lord, come on. One of them said, I'll walk to you. When it comes to him slaying, I can tell you, you want God to pass you by. He's not just a Santa Claus full of love. He's also a God of wrath and vengeance. Why do you, why do you, he said, vengeance is mine. Thus saith the Lord, we'll leave out the rest of it. He said, and I will repay. So when he's repaying, you want the blood of Jesus struck on the doorpost. <laughs> hey, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Later down that chapter said, A thousand have fallen at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold to see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High of thy habitation. How'd you do it? Just like Rahab did it. She put a red scarlet line on the outside of that window. Joshua said, Boys, you come to that house. I feel the good spirit of God. Boys, you come to that, you kill everything in Jericho. You kill them all. Silver and gold goes to that tabernacle. We'll sanctify it. Leave everything else there. Kill babies, boys and girls. You come to Rahab's house. You see a house with that scarlet line. Why would they do that? They had just left Egypt 40 years before. They remember what it is have blood on that doorpost. They remember what it is for Pharaoh, from Pharaoh on the throne to lose his firstborn to the maid behind the mill to the beast of the field lost the firstborn because there was no blood. But the blood wasn't inside the house. The blood was primarily on the outside of the house. They ate the animal. They slew it. They all saw that someday somebody's got to pay a price. But that blood was primarily for God to see. So when Jesus died, he applied the blood to you when he sees you. He don't see that old rotten Donnie and that old rotten Brother Sumner and that old rotten Sister Vera. She never was rotten. Oh, yeah. She got saved. She may not have showed it, but I can tell you, she needed Christ just as much as Ted Bundy needed him. But now when he sees me, what a song. We should have sung it 12 times and nothing else. The blood primarily for God to see even more than to wash you. Amen. We saw that sacrifice on the cross. Everybody that showed up there, in fact, it happened at a time when they come from all over Israel, all over the place, all over the country, into Israel. They come for that, that, that feast, you know, that Passover. But instead of a lamb, the spotless lamb of glory died that night. They all saw it, but nobody saw that blood but God. I said it's primarily toward God, but the blood, thank God, is also toward man. See, the blood takes care of the sin problem. The sin is the veil that separates us between the, uh, us and our God. But the blood of Jesus washes it away. But you understand, the Spirit of God deals with you because of sin. The Holy Ghost convicts you because of sin first. That is the job. The Bible said He will convince the world of sin. That's where we get the word convict. Same thing. You'll be convinced of that sin is there, uh, what it's causing in you, 
and how God feels about it through the preaching of the word or the singing of a song, the witness of somebody. Somebody prayed. The Lord opened it up. But by the power of the principles of God's word, the Holy Spirit takes what the word says about what you are, what you got in you, and he comes in and convicts you. But there is guilt. Guilt is a wonderful thing and a horrible thing. Guilt is a wonderful tool that God can use if it is kept sanctified and used with His wisdom and coupled with grace. Or let me say, always answered by, I will give you grace because of the guilt. I will take the guilt and the shame away. But also, guilt and shame, conviction, condemnation comes so heavy that if we do not come to understand through the Bible and through knowing God what the blood has done, then that devil will have footing to twist guilt and to twist conviction and to twist condemnation. Do you understand me? Saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, love God. Go a few days without praying. Get cold in your spirit. Commit a sin. Say something you shouldn't have said. Download something you shouldn't have downloaded. Drink something you shouldn't have drank. Mess up. And when you do it, the devil talked you into it. You did it. You're in weakness. Guilt comes in. You don't have to say amen, but I'm going to have to because I've messed up before. It comes back in. It's a wonderful gift because it's the Holy Ghost saying, you shouldn't have done that. You just displeased the Christ that lives in you. Is that right? You shouldn't have done it. Feel like a dirty old sorry rotten dog, don't you? Did you know that that's not bad? That's a wonderful thing. You know why? Because if you can do that and it don't bother you, you have a reprobate mind or you are on the verge or you're at a place where God can't deal with you. But at the same time, to know what to do with it, to be mature enough to understand that the blood of Jesus is the only thing that can take care of it. And that upon repentance and what the Bible said, that we have an advocate said, I would, shall we say it? God forbid. Little children, that you sin not. But if ye sin, ye have an advocate with the Father. You know what that's like? That's like God's the judge, Satan's the accuser, you're on the stand, you're the one that did wrong. Satan said, oh, 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 I caught you, buddy. Hey, God, you see what he did? God says, I saw it. I saw it. But if we're sorry and we ask him, Jesus shows up at court and sits at our table for us. You think that's all? If we sin... The devil accuses. God said, I saw it and knew they was going to do it before you saw it. So the sentence is not innocent. The sentence is guilty. Boom. You sin. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. It don't stop there. Because all of a sudden the, the attorney, not only is the attorney and the spokesman and the lawyer and the one that speaks for you, the sentence is not innocent. The sentence is guilty. You did mess up. You deserve hell. But because you sit by him and look over at him and say, not only will you speak to God the Father for me and intercede for me, would you please forgive me as well, O Son of the Most High? And the Son of God says, uh, you realize that if you're sorry for your sin and you confess them to me, I clean you here. And instead of you dying, I went up there and died in your place. He is not only the advocate, but he's the lamb as well. 
Isaac, man, I love this Bible. blasphemous Ted Turner said there is no God he'll burn in hell forever there's still a God and his word shall ever be true you hear me I love this Bible glory be to Jesus hallelujah I mean standing in the gap for you he's already died Abraham takes his son God said kill him give him to me (laughs) he loads the wood and makes the boy carry the wood he's getting old you know (laughs) Had, had a couple of mule maintainers Brought that mule. God said, the top of that hill right there. He looked around. Them old boys stronger than him. Said, got to leave them here. They'll fight me. They'll save this boy. They love this kid good as I do, just about. Y'all mute. See, he let them be the mule maintenance crew. They kept the mule. So me and the lad going to go yonder and worship God. By faith, he said, we shall return again. The whole time they're working their way up the top of that hill, and I believe that spot where it is later became the place where the Calvary was. I can't prove it, but we're almost positive. Right in that area would later be known as Mount Calvary. I believe it is. I just can't be, we're almost certain, not positive. It'd be like God, wouldn't it? Something about that hill, something about that hill. That hill he told Abraham to go to would be the same hill we'd sing about on a hill far away. Stood an old rugged cross. Have I got your interest just a few more minutes tonight? It's better than it's been sometimes. I just feel some liberty there, you know. The whole time he's working his way up that hill, Abraham don't know it. God's not revealed it to him. But on the other side of the mountain, there's a goat. It's a, there's a there's a ram. It's a male sheep. And he's working his way up, grazing up the other side. God don't always let you see, but he promised he'd be there. Go take your son. Laid him up there, tied him down. <laughs> Got the fire ready. He took, put that knife in the air. He's so determined to obey God. He don't see what God really wanted to sacrifice. It's already done come up and got caught in the thicket. And he said, I had to call his name twice. Abraham, Abraham. He said, I know that voice. He stopped. Here am I. He said, lay not a hand on, lay, lay not a hand on him. Lay not a hand on him. And he done told his son by faith, God will provide himself a lamb. The whole time you were guilty with nothing to say to help yourself. They were coming to take you away, that song says. But then a voice from heaven was heard that said, let him go, take me instead. I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace, but Jesus, God's son, he looked over and saw a ram, a male lamb. John said, Behold the Lamb of God. And he was caught in the thicket. Look up the words. It is a thorn bush. Thousands of years before. A thorn bush. I don't know if he knew it, but he looked over and saw a type of cry. We see it now. We can read about it and see both of them. One's 2,000 years ago. One's about 4,000, about 4,000 years what he saw was a type of Christ to come. Amen. So the blood is to Godward first. But it's to manward. The blood means something toward man. We pray through the blood. We're healed in the blood. I got so much here I need to say. I'm running out of time. It's through the blood. Everything you need from God's through the blood. You get to heaven, you'll go through the blood. Through the blood. The death of the cross, the blood. 
Watch this. The blood is also Satan ward. What it means to Satan. Will it wash him clean? Too late. There is no grace and mercy for a fallen angel forever. No grace and mercy. Not made in the image of God. Never had to come to a fallen world. They fell out of rebellion. There is no grace, nor has ever been grace that we know of, according to the Bible, to angels, including top dragon angel, Satan himself. He used to be called Lucifer. So the blood toward him has nothing to do with cleaning him up or giving him a chance to get out of hell. He's going. He knows it. And he knows, I believe, his time's short. He smells in the cosmos. He's watching through history and the patterns of humanity, the character of countries and nations that he has brought down and put up himself. And I'm telling you, he knows that Christ is fixing to come. But what does the blood mean in terms of Satan? You understand that sin in man always gives the devil footing to work with. It gives him ground upon which to accuse. When a man sins, it is sin that opens the door for accusation from the devil. Do you understand me? The devil imputed sin by his deception. Adam had to choose, but yet the devil's the one that offered sin. Shall, as God really don't want you to eat, does God not want you? God's lying to you. He's afraid you're going to be like him. He's afraid you'll be like God. And look at it. It's going to taste good. I believe they were gravitating to the tree of life. And she veered off at their own voice and went to the tree of, good, of knowledge of good and evil. I believe if she was headed toward that tree to live forever. I believe it. I believe Adam hadn't sinned. He could have been here tonight. We wouldn't have been preached about this blood. We'd have just been worshiping God just like they would in heaven. And this new earth will. Amen. Uh, I'm losing my place because it's so good, man. I want to go all over the Bible with this. To the devil word. Satan, when, in rebellion, you give something from him to work with. A sinner that is lost without the blood, he commits sin, then Satan can rule and can control that. But you ever remember the songs, he can't cross the blood? He can't cross the bloodline? Well, he cannot. So the blood... Toward the devil means that all the footing that we might have opened up through rebellion, through laziness and sorriness and committing sins and iniquity, when we ask God to forgive us, when, he ask, when we ask him to cleanse us, it is through the blood of Jesus that we plea. And when we do, he's lost all of his footing. The blood in association with the devil means that the blood steals all footing and on ground, all ground upon which he has any case. Do you understand? Now, what he does, the best he can do <clears throat> is go up like he did Job and accuse. He's got afflictions that he wants to put upon you. He wants to make you sin. He cannot cross the bloodline. So we have a blood. This bench is a bloodline. All he can do is stay on his side and the sanctified on that side. The Lord lets him be a tool to oppress and to bring trials and tribulations, but it's really to work. Put us through fiery trials. He lets the devil be an instrument sometimes. The devil's hoping you mess up. The devil's hoping you'll backslide and leave God and come back over to his side. But if you don't, you can stay on the side of the righteous and stay with the blood applied. Then the best thing he can do is hurl wickedness across to just try to deceive you. Throw fiery darts towards you. Throw accusations at you. But the only plea that I will have to offer is Jesus shed his blood. For me. You understand what I'm saying? When he accuses you, he usually waits until he sees something questionable in your life, something you did wrong. He, you know, he accuses you to God, but he accuses you to your own conscience and your own mind. Not only does he run and try to tell God uninvited like he did Job, 
but he'll also run to your mind and tell you, you rotten, sorry dog. You told them people you believe in wholeness. Look what you watched on that TV. Ooh, you sorry dog. And the thing to do is, is to not say, yeah, but I paid my tithes. Yeah, but I showed up every day at camp meeting. But did you see me not cuss all day today and yesterday? Did you see me do a good deed? None of that does anything because one sin, the devil has a foothold. So the only plea that you have when the devil accuses you is the blood of Jesus. Now, I'm going to tell you something I missed. Real quick, you got two minutes. Who will give me five minutes? Raise your right hand. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. That never gets old, does it? You ladies can put your shoes on if you got them off. We're going to get done here. See, my foolishness, I'm losing my place again. Isn't the blood of Jesus so wonderful? Hallelujah. I'm going to have to quit. I'm going to have to quit. Let's stand. Let's stand. I'll get back into this some more. We'll get time. It's going to be information to overload if I keep going. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Chris, let's sing it again. F. Jesus. Oh, he sees us as worthy. Oh, the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Would you lift your hand and thank him for the blood? Thank him for the blood. Thank him for the blood. Thank him for the blood. I do want to tell you one more thing. If you'll just open here just a minute, just open your heart one more time real quick. On one hand, I know that fasting this flesh down, praying every day, if you pray consistently in the Spirit, you try to live clean, as clean as you can, it's easier to pray, isn't it? It's easier to feel an emotional liberty to pray. Is that right? And on a day where you blew it, lost your temper, found yourself, this is the third day I ain't prayed. You need to pray. Brother Cliff asked me to do something, and I ain't prayed in three or four days. Don't want to get up there without praying. Maybe you had a rotten attitude. Maybe you fought with your wife for church. Maybe you blew it on the job. Maybe you messed up. You asked God to forgive you, but you still feel icky. You try to pray. You start praying, and it feels hard to pray. Is that right? Two reasons. You haven't kept open fellowship with God. It's harder to break through for your mind because you haven't learned the power of the blood yet and the power of His atoning blood and the power and His mercy and grace is deeper than you think it ought to be for the likes of me as bad as I live today. You understand? You know that there were other days when I lived closer fasting and prayed that boy, it was easy to pray. After that fourth day eating, headaches starting to leave, those carbohydrate uh, uh, DTs were gone. <laughs> Caffeine withdrawals gone. You passed it now. You're weak, but your stomach ain't, you know, you, you, the constipation ain't hurt you four or five days into it. And prayer just seems to just really flow. Is that right? Amen. Ain't praying three or four days. Hard to pray. Is that right? Amen. You reach over and just about pop that walk and stop yourself. And then you feel rotten and sorry. You go to try to pray. The devil saw it, starts accusing you. It's hard to pray, ain't it? Did you know that the days it was easy to pray on that fast, in that camp meeting, everybody else praying around you, and the days it was hard to pray because you blew it, you got in neither time except through the blood of Jesus. Not by your righteousness, their filthy rags. It might have been easier to feel like you get easier to believe you could get access 
But guess what? You learn what this Bible says about His grace and the blood upon repentance and a godly sorrow and humiliation and worship of the Lord. He says you can come into me just like you did when you were living holy. When you lived close. That don't seem fair. I know. That's a Catholic throwback that makes you want to make it by works. But this Bible said it's not by works. What do you mean? I mean when you've blown it bad and you know you have. You've caused it to be harder because you, you give the devil an ear. You, you let him holler at you because cause you, if he says you did something you ain't done, you can say you're a lying devil. But if he says something you did, then you can go, oh. But stop and remember what Brother Cliff told you. You never got into the throne room of grace because you were so good on them days. You still only got in on your best day by his grace through the shed blood of Jesus. Let's stand across here just a minute and have a word of prayer with each other. Come up here and get a hand of your neighbor. Bring your wife up here with you.